So when you go out and you run these appointments, is it normally just going to be the Medicare product that you are presenting, or do you end up cross-selling several products along with that, and you're kind of stacking up multiple products? How do you definitely cross-selling? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Hospital plans, cancer or dental vision hearing plans if they want it. That's not usually the case. I'm in Missouri, and our penetration for Medicare Advantage is very, very high. I think it's like 90% or something crazy. Oh, wow. <laughs> so a lot a lot of hips, um, not a lot of DVH unless they need it. I bring it up, yeah. and a lot of life insurance as well. So, you know, on, on some of these leads, you get 20% uh, life insurance rates, um, conversion rates. So you can always flip their life insurance, get it cheaper, or do a reduced paid up and rewrite a policy for a little bit less, which a lot of people don't know that trick, and that's huge. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for watching and joining us for another awesome episode. Today's guest is the one and only Julian Chambers. I'm so excited to have this monster Medicare producer on the show today, and we got a lot of great things to unpack. So, Julian, thanks for being on today. How are you doing? Dude, super good. Thanks for having me. Uh, very excited. Love everything that you're doing. You know I have your senior sales university, and um, I think people really need automations, especially me. So yeah, really appreciate all that you do, man. Thanks no. for having me. Well, I appreciate you on so many levels, man. I do obviously appreciate you're a member and appreciate just the example that you're providing for other people. Uh, you you post your uh, daily either affirmations or pieces of advice or things that could be helpful to other producers, and I love seeing that. Right, it's giving value just for the sake of giving value. So a couple of things that I want to kind of hammer on is that. Uh, for those who don't know who you are yet, you are a force to be reckoned with. You are one of those people who come in hot, has a, has a goal in mind. You're very consistent on what you want to do. And it's led to from you got into the business just a year ago and already have amassed over 300 clients. So that means you're basically staying on a course where you're writing 25 to 30 apps a month, which I guarantee you, everybody in this business wants to be writing that amount of business. So you have a lot to say, you have a lot to share, and I'm really excited to start unpacking some of this on the episode. One of the things that I wanted to start with is we just came off 8% Nation, right? You were at 8% Nation, I was at 8% Nation, and there was a piece of advice you gave. And with mm. right now, if you look right now, conferences are the heavy, heavy thing that's being promoted. You see that uh, we still have the Medicare Supplement Conference is coming up in September. We have uh, Justin Brock's Medicare Con and Christian Brindle's uh, Six Figure Medicare Summit now being um, advertised right now to get people ready for next year. So anytime somebody goes to a conference, it gets easy to be hyped up by all the stuff that you see there. But a lot of times, once you get back home, you kind of lose steam from yeah. all of that excitement and motivation. So you posted something that I believe everybody needs to hear. Tell people your takeaway. Like, what do you do to make sure that when you go to these events, you are able to go home and actually turn it into actionable uh, steps that can get you to grow your agency? Yeah, I love that. And I uh, totally agree. And I definitely want to give some like tactical things that people can walk away with today. Um, I'm not a big story guy to where I like tell my story. I think it's great and that helps a lot of people. But if, if I can give something right now, um, when I was younger, I used to read all the books. I had all the knowledge. I literally had tons of books, still do. And I knew everything, but I didn't execute on everything that I knew. You know, most of us know what we should do, but we don't do what we should do, right? Yeah. Um, 
but we know it. We know that we need to do something, but we don't figure it out. So with the conferences, I think the biggest thing is actually taking away key things that you learn. You know, we're already deletion creatures. We're de always deleting information because we get so much every day um, that you might as well delete everything that you don't need and that you're not going to use when you go to these conferences. So um, I created like a little, it's, it's so simple and people it's, this is like pretty obvious. It's not, you know, something brand new, but just something that I do that helps me is I create a little takeaway list. Like, Hey, what are my top takeaways from this event that I can go home and implement ASAP? Something that I'm not waiting around, you know, it's good to get motivated and all that, but what can I do when I get home? That's going to move the needle forward for me and everything else that isn't within that takeaway list. I literally forget it. I delete it out of my mind because I don't want this extra, you know, my brain can only hold so much information. I don't want all this stuff in there because I don't need to know everything. Yeah. I want to know what's going to take me from where I am to where I want to go ASAP. Yeah. And I love I hope that. that answers your question. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That that's, you know, that that's the key right there. A lot of people will take a ton of notes. You're talking pages and pages and pages of notes, but you're saying you got to simplify it to a list of actionable uh, items that they can take home and start moving the needle. I like how you say that because you're right. We're deletion creatures. So even though you have pages and pages of notes, a lot of people don't go back and revisit those pages and pages and everything that they did have stored in memory, they start to slowly delete because they got other stuff that's coming in new, new, new material, new data. And so I Content. love that you talked about that. I love that you talk about this, this list. It's short, it's easy, it's concise, and it helps them to start getting uh, into that momentum that they need to actually start growing their agency. And I love that. Yeah. And I, I take notes with every speaker. <clears throat> if I find like they're going to help me just to stay engaged because I know I'm going to retain more and I'm going to stay engaged. Cause if I'm not, if I'm just sitting like this, listening to someone speak, I don't, for me, I'm not engaged. So I'm yeah. writing, I try to stay fast, you know, movement will make like when people read, they're usually stagnant. One thing that can help you read if you read it all is if you use your finger to follow along, your brain will pay more attention because there's movement there. So any way I can engage myself, but out of those notes, I look at, hey, what are the takeaways? And then I make the takeaway list and, and go from there. So you started off, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, you started off with um, FFL, Family First Life, in the life insurance niche before you got into Medicare. What is it that attracted you to start moving in the direction of Medicare from where you were? Great question. Residual income, just straight up. Um, I didn't, and building a business, like nothing against any IMO. I think there's so many successful IMOs and they're all great in different ways. Um, but for me, and it wasn't IMO specific, my, my complaint isn't, but for right. me, when I have a client call me, I would prefer them to call me asking a question or wanting to talk to me rather than just wanting to cancel a policy. And so I felt like I was on this treadmill of writing a life insurance policy. I never talked to them again, unless they're wanting to cancel. And I'm like, fucking this sucks. Yeah. I, I, I'm a people person. So I love people and I want to stay engaged with them and keep my clients engaged and everything. But you know, if they're calling me just to cancel and it's just like a transactional thing, I don't enjoy it as much. Right. And I don't think long-term that's how you build an actual business. I think you stay as a personal producer that way. And that was not what I wanted. So I left the insurance industry completely and then came back into it after I heard about Medicare. And I was like, wow, there's something here, you know, residual income. I can have an actual book of business. That's not just transactional. Yeah. And that's what really attracted me to it. Is and it I started in, in August of last year. In so August, yes. Yeah, so you, you, this is the, you're basically at a year mark right now that yes, you've sir. been in it. And like I said, most people who get into it in their first year do not end up writing the amount of policies you wrote. 
which is yeah, why a I lot of people want to look at you and say, okay, well, how do I replicate doing that? So let's kind of break it down a little bit more right now. Now, do your focus is mostly face-to-face or is it by telephone? Everything face-to-face. And I don't feel like I've done that much because I was talking to a Ryan Travers and he started the same time as me. And he's like, dude, I got way more clients than you. So, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I started face-to-face. I still do face-to-face. I love it. You know, there's people go back and forth of the thing. It's just my thing for now. If I ever transition out of the field, that's great. If not, that's okay too. But um, face-to-face, cross sell a lot. I run a lot of Facebook LIS leads, food card leads, different types of Facebook leads right now. And then I'll be transitioning into seminars and more branding. You know, I have a website. I have a YouTube channel I started last month with one video on it. So I need to get that going. But um, really everything is Facebook right now. Yeah getting that initial book going and then slowly transitioning to branding. So when you go out and you run these appointments, is it normally just going to be the Medicare product that you are presenting or do you end up cross-selling several products along with that? And you're kind of stacking up multiple products. How do you definitely cross-selling? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Hospital plans, cancer or dental vision, hearing plans if they want it. That's not usually the case. I'm in Missouri and our penetration for Medicare Advantage is very, very high. I think it's like 90% or something crazy. Oh, wow. <laughs> so a lot, a lot of hips, um, not a lot of DVH unless they need it. I bring it up yeah. and a lot of life insurance as well. So, you know, on, on some of these leads, you get 20% uh, life insurance rates, um, conversion rates. So you can always flip their life insurance, get it cheaper or do a reduced paid up and rewrite a policy for a little bit less, which a lot of people don't know that trick. And that's huge. I like that. That's a good takeaway right there for the life producers, what you just said right there. So let me ask you then, what do you feel? And I don't know if you want to share this or not, but a lot of people want to know, okay, well, if I want to try to write that amount of apps, um, what do I got to invest in leads every month? Like, do you have a budget that you like to stick around that agents can kind of have an idea? Well, if I want to get in this business, I should probably be able to earmark that I'm going to spend X amount every month on leads to be able to make that kind of uh, to, to me, write that many apps. In my opinion, I think you need to spend at least a thousand a week. If you want to do 10 a week. Good. Based on my numbers, but yeah. it, it can fluctuate, but I'd say at least, you know, a thousand, maybe 1200 a week. Um, and I think having something like Facebook leads, you know, we get them for sometimes 10 bucks, sometimes $3. Yeah. When these leads come in, they fluctuate. So that, That's why you're saying that. Yeah. And those kind of leads, you know, you can do direct mail too. Those just cost more, but with Facebook leads, like there's a lot of people doing it, but there's a lot of people that aren't really capitalizing on the Facebook, like in, I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, I'm trying to ride the wave as long as we can. And I don't think it's maybe a long-term branding play, but to get that short-term lead flow for dirt cheap, if you can invest, you know, a ton into these short-term leads, I mean, they're not going to cost as much as something like direct mail. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's one of the things people need to hear because uh, the words SEO seem to be so sexy to people. They like the idea of having a website where people go organically and generate leads, but that takes time. And if, you, if, if you're running a business, you can't rely to, on running a business on, based on free leads that are coming in organically. Like it's just, it's, it's silly to think that it's, it's a long play. You have to invest. And that's one of the things that I always want to hit home when I'm talking to big producers like yourself is that you need to reiterate that for people like, Hey, I'm investing 4,000 to 4,800 bucks a month in my lead generation, but I'm able to make that back. And then some, because you're writing X amount of policies that are Medicare residuals. And then on top of that, you're cross-selling other policies that help to give you, get you pretty far into the positive. 
right? Get the cash flow. Yeah, totally. And anything SEO, I call Landon McCarter because he's <laughs> the guy for that. I don't, man, that guy just spits knowledge. So yeah. I, have, I have no idea about that. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> hey, man, what does this mean? <laughs> so one of the things that needs to stick out in people's minds, though, that in order to achieve the results you're achieving, if you're going to write 25, 30 apps consistently every single month, what would you attribute that consistency to? Hmm. Um, I think a couple things. Number one is having a clear picture of where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, you know, there's no reason to even run the appointments. Um, number two, I think it's obviously buying leads. Like this is so trite. This has been said so many times. Um, it's overused for sure. Buy leads, like yeah. buy the leads and dial the leads to set the appointments. Um, something that really helps me that I do is I will track how my day goes. I have a dial and a sale tracker and I just, and, and this is like so small too. Like these are small things. It's just most people know to do it. They just don't do it. And that was me for a long time, which is why I'm bringing it up. But I will track how my day went, how many closes I had, how many sits I had. And when I dial, how many phone calls I made, how many, you know, same thing. Yeah. So that really helps me stay engaged and stay consistent with it. But the obvious answer is just go freaking do it. Like the simple answer is literally just get out of bed and go to work. Um, is, but people don't want to hear that answer. And is there anything, I guess, I guess, is there any moment? Cause I can tell you, I'll tell you my moment yeah. here in a second, but is there any moment where, as you mentioned earlier, you knew it, but you weren't doing it. What is it that moved the needle for you so that you started doing what you already knew you needed to do? Well, wow, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know if there's one moment. I think there's always moments um, and I'm always recommitting because I think there's levels to consistency. I'm not as consistent as I want to be right now, but I know to get to the next level, it's going to require another level of commitment. And I think it's constantly recommitting to your goals and recommitting to where you want to be and who you want to be. And that's what gets you there. One of the moments that does stick out though to me is uh, it was a couple of years ago. Like I said, I got into uh, personal development and I got into a network marketing company in 2015 which is when I graduated high school. And so I never went to college on that stuff. So I kind of just started out fresh. And that's when I really started gathering the information. And I was really good at that, had a lot of knowledge. I thought I knew a lot of things, but really there's a difference between intellectual knowledge, emotional knowledge, and then physical knowledge. I can know something intellectually, but if I'm not doing it, I don't know it at the emotional or physical level. Mm. And so I can know, hey, I need to be consistent. And that's an intellectual thing. I'm like, okay. But am I really doing it? And if you're not, once you start to be consistent and you're doing what you think or what you know up here you should be doing, you start to get that physical mastery. You can literally feel when you say something, the conviction is different on it. Yes. Like, hey, I need to be consistent or I'm consistent. And it comes out like as a physical thing. Yes. And so that's a big difference for me too. Um, but one of the moments was I realized that I didn't want to be who I was at the time. I, was, I, I had a lot of pain with it because... Like I had mentioned, I gathered a lot of information and did nothing with it. And I got sick of it. And I started to attach pain with that identity of myself. I said, I don't want to be the guy that knows everything and has no results for it. Well, like, what kind of person would, I, it's just not who I want to be. And so I think anytime you can get a uh, link, a ton of pain towards who you are or a behavior and a lot of pleasure to doing something else, that's when you get leverage. And that's when you move on and, and end up changing. I like that. And that's really, I think the trick there is that you need to have a pain point that you can recognize and, and I would say make it fester, right? You have to really um, 
hammer down on that pain point to move the needle, to make you change. I, I, I know that for me, I was kind of in the same boat in the beginning where I wanted to master everything before I started talking to people. I didn't want to get caught being asked a question that I did not have the answer to. Greatest fear that I ever had. And as a result, I was a lot slower at picking up the phone to make these. And at that time I was making cold calls, right? So I wasn't necessarily calling leads. Um, but at the time that I had this fear is because I had to make these cold calls and I didn't want to get caught up. So it had, to, it just, it came down to a good, good friend of mine in the business. The one who got me in the business, he just basically said, you need to stop giving a fuck. And he just said it just as plain <laughs> as day. You need to stop giving a fuck. Like, don't worry about how it makes you look. Don't worry about how it makes the company you represent look. Don't worry about any of that stuff. You just need to react. And for some reason, that was the aha moment for me where everything clicked. And then from then on, I had, I just really had no fear. Like any, any tinge of nervousness I had, I just basically dialed and stayed reactive. I stopped trying to think ahead and telegraph what the conversation was going to be like. I just wanted to be reactive. And there's different things that I did to kind of keep my mind busy during the call so that I wouldn't try to start telegraphing and getting back into old habits. I had a putt-putt golf set up uh, in my office so that I could be putting little balls while I was making my calls. I had a headset like yours so that I could uh, you know, be free in the office. And as soon as someone picked up, I already knew my intro. So I would just be able to hop right into the intro. But I remember that was the moment for me that, that made everything change is that I was just told, just stop giving a fuck. And I don't I mean that. to be so, you know, to curse and all that stuff, but it's just like, that was, it took that to flip the switch for me and everything changed from there. Love that. And I would say for someone that's just starting, which I doubt someone just starting is watching your podcast. I imagine most of the people have already started, but if they're having problems with that, whether in their head too much, um, one of the big things is if you know 1% more than your client, you can help them. Yes. Another thing is if you have a good upline, you can call your upline whenever you want in the home. Um, or if the, you know, if your upline doesn't have time, I get it, but call somebody, call somebody that has the answer that you want. Um, but I love that. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, and the, most and people are stuck in their heads. And there, there's, there's this irrational fear that if you tell your client, you know what, I don't actually have that answer right now, but let me, I know who has it. Let me call you back within 20 minutes and I'll get you the answer. That Absolutely. is like the easiest thing that you can say. And people will still work with you. You'll still make the sale after doing that. But people have it in their head that if they have to utter those words, it's a done deal. Like you, you aren't going to be able to get that client. It's so not true. But I think that's one of the reasons they held back from, from starting to just make those calls and be reactive. And, and that's, again, that's where it changed for me. That's easily, like, who cares if you don't have the answer? Get the answer. Yeah. Just tell them you find it. it. Works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a, I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. You know, I have a Tony Robbins coach. I paid him a lot of money and he coaches me almost every week. We have a phone call. Um, I think there's strategies for every emotion. Yeah. There's a recipe for every emotion. And most people are stuck. Like even with their physiology, they're stuck in their heads because they're, they're not moving. Mm. Like there's no physiology there. And on the other side is their focus and their beliefs. What are they focused on that causes that? Like if, if I were to tell you, you know, and Tony Robbins says this, there's a depressed person right behind this door. How would you describe their physiology? Okay, they'd be slumped down. They'd be breathing shallow. What do you think they'd be focused on? They'd be focused on what they don't have, how they're not getting this or whatever. They be they believe that they're depressed. They believe that life sucks. And on the other side, what's the language that they'd be telling themselves? Tony Robbins calls this a triad. It's the three, focus and beliefs, language, and then the physiology. And that's what creates any emotional state. So if you want a state to go out there and kill it, 
what, where would you be? Like, I guarantee when you're in front of a client, you have a certain physiology and posture. For me, I'm talking a lot quieter. I've talked very fast. So I have to slow down, have to breathe more, right? I have to yeah. actually be present. I have to be present with them. I'm telling myself in my head, my language is I'm here to help you, you know, whatever I can do to help and all those types of things. And my beliefs are, I do whatever it fucking takes. I figure it out. Right. And my focus is how can I help them? How can I provide value? What can I, you know, what can I sell them? So, and, and those types of things are really what people don't think about that psychology yeah. and even the physiology. And they just stay stuck in their heads all day and they don't actually go out and execute. You know, what's pretty neat is that there's going to be some people who it comes more natural to them, right? The conversation part of it, how to interact with people, how to engage them, uh, how to influence them. I mean, a lot of some, sometimes that can come more naturally to others, but the cool thing is that this is a science, like it can be learned by anybody who is willing to not only learn it, but also execute it. And I love when I get to talk to people like you who have coaches who have kind of, who've broken down the whole thing so that you can really understand, oh, that's how they do it. Right. Um, you know, when I'm in front of clients, like I'm an animated person, I use my hands a lot, just like I do with like, with you, like, or anybody online, like I use my hands a lot when I'm talking, it's just something that helps me to it helps my voice inflection. And I love that. You know? yeah. So I, I do it even when I, when, when I do telesales and nobody can even see me, I'm still moving my hands. I'm still walking around. I love still that. Doing all That's that. what keeps you in that state. Yeah. I yeah, love that yeah. you're aware of that. That's awesome. Yeah. And it is something that I always teach people. just like, you have to remember, especially in phone sales that they can't see you. So you don't have that benefit where they can really read your face and see your body language. So the only way to really get your point across is you still got to behave. You got to almost go extra with your body language so that they can hear it in your voice and then it'll come across because they can, they can hear that in yeah. your voice. So it's different voice inflection. So I did, but I, I definitely love that, that whole breakdown. So let me ask you, how do you stay? How, and maybe you don't, but do you stay motivated daily or do you get motivated at certain times, but you really just have, you're just consistent. You know, that the discipline of what you have to do daily is what's going to get you to your goal. So I mean, how does it work for you? Yeah, I'm really not always motivated. Um, you know, there's days I, and there's weeks, you know, I, I don't feel like doing, doing whatever, meeting with clients. And sometimes I, I don't do anything, right? And I think that's a human condition. And to think that, you know, this is who I am, that's where people really screw up. When you accept a pattern or a behavior as who you are, that's when you give all the control to whatever the behavior or the pattern is, and you can't change it. Mm. And you're locked into this pattern and you're stuck there. But when you realize it's literally just something you've practiced, just like a muscle, you go to the gym, you get muscles when you lift weights. Same thing. If you exercise your execution muscle or whatever muscle you want, your humility muscle, your humble, your confidence, these are all muscles and states that you can develop. Like, but for me, um, it's about just getting into a state to where I want to go crush it. And uh, I talked about this on the insurance dudes podcast where I, I do uh, an affirmation kind of deal. They're called incantations. Mm -hmm. It's basically where instead of just repeating affirmations, that's never worked for me because my brain's like, you're full of shit. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm happy. You're I'm not happy. Great. <laughs> yeah, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> so the incantations is where I play music. I have my incantations on the mirror in my bathroom. And I actually read them out loud with my whole posture and physiology. And when you engage, I don't care if you're reading anything or not. When you just engage your whole physiology, when you're saying something, whatever, you're going to change how you feel. 
And then I'm in a state where I'm like, let's go fucking crush it. Yeah. And it's not always that way. Some days I do it and I'm unconscious and I still, you know, have a crappy day. That's just part of life. Yes. Right. You want you to accept that it's just part of it. But if you can get yourself into these states and start to train yourself to feel how you want exercise, those muscles, man, it could be a game changer for you. And not even just with business, with your life. Like if you have a billion dollars and you're a depressed person, you're a depressed person with a billion dollars. Congratulations. <laughs> your emotions are as important, if not more important than your business. A big person I think is crushes. This is Waylon Artrip. Yeah, dude. Like that's somebody where, Hey, that's someone I can get behind and say, I want what he has, not only in business, but his emotional, his gratitude, right? His relationships. So I think that's huge. And if you can get yourself in those states and practice them, just like you practice the other states, right? I practiced depression for a long time and then I decided to practice the opposite. Yeah. And now it's easier for me to get there. So I love that. I think there was a, there was a chef that I followed. I forget his name, but Gordon Ramsay. No, no, he's not. He's not Gordon Ramsay. He's a famous Asian chef, but he, um, he said that one of the things he would notice about himself is a lot of times he would say, oh, I got to go do this. I got to go do that. I got to go do this. And it gave him a pretty shitty attitude because he was thinking of it as a chore. I got to go do this. Mm -hmm. Now I got to go do that. One day he said, you know what? I need to substitute that word and I got to change it to one of gratitude. So instead of saying, I got to go do this, I'm going to start saying, I get to go do this. And it changed everything for him because now he's saying, okay, well, I get to go and cook this amazing meal for these famous people. I get to go and open this new restaurant. I get to go and do paint art. I get to go and do this. So now it's saying like, this is an exciting thing. Like I'm fortunate that I get to go do this because other people don't. Right. And when you really look at it from the grand scheme of things and you look at it outside of our own little bubble, you really can start to gain this amazing gratitude for where we're at and the opportunities we have. And it's silly for us to not take advantage because totally. this, is, this is something where not everybody gets to get up every day, work for themselves, make their own appointments, make the amount of money we make, you know, not everybody has that opportunity. And even if they do, they just made me don't have the willingness to do it, but we do. And that's, that's something that we should be grateful for. So I loved how he said that he just changed the word from saying, I have to go do this, or I got to go do this too. I get to go do this. Yeah, man. Language is so huge. <clears throat> if you, um, I, I love studying people and I'm always listening to how people talk and what their language is. And if you really just listen to someone, just really listen without you thinking about how you're going to look or whatever, you're really listening to them and present with them. You can really pick up on things when they say certain words like that. You notice the language that they use and how that actually affects their body, right? Their biology, how it affects their life, their results. And uh, I think it's just perspective. If you can wear the different hat, if you're at a big long table and you're sitting on this side, go to this side and look at the perspective from that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I were to go from the outside in, how are, how's my life right now based on what I'm saying and, and change your perspective on it. And uh, sometimes people just need a wake up call for that to happen. And the, the language thing sounds so hokey, like, Oh, by saying, I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to have a great day. It's not even always about the physical and what that's happening, but it's about controlling what's inside here. Yeah. So that's the only thing you can control. So that's what makes the biggest difference. You know, and in my I'm, opinion, language does help control that outer world. Cause I think what happens in here, what ha is what projects out there. 100%, right. What, 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 what 
what you're harboring in here is what's going to manifest into your body, which is going to cause you to do what you do. And I'm, I was actually, as you were explaining what your incantations are, I'm just like, I wonder if that's, I guess maybe that's what it's called, what I do. Um, because when I get in the when I get in the car and I'm driving to the office, I would start by cranking up some, 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 some song that's going to get me amped up, but then I turn it down and then I would start to start talking to myself. I would talk to myself about, you know, what today's going to be like. And I'll even always throw in there. There's going to be a roadblock. There's going to be something that trips me up. There's going to be something that makes me angry, but guess what? I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to overcome it. it. I'm going to be stronger because of it. I'm going to be smarter because of it. I'm going to help more people as a result. And I just, so I talk all these positive affirmations while I'm driving, but I'm also, as I'm driving, I'm saying, I'm like talking to myself, you know? So people probably think I'm either rapping to a song or doing (laughs) something. They think you're nuts. Yeah. But I'm like, what the heck's wrong with this guy? (laughs) But I'm getting the body (laughs) language in there, right? I'm throwing the body language in there because it's, to me, that's part of it all. As I told you, when I'm talking to people, my body language is what's really what helps me to get my point across. So hell, even if I'm talking to myself, that's what I'm doing. I'm getting my body language in there as I'm saying these things to myself. And then I'll crank up another song after that. And it just changes the physicality, right? It changes the emotion. It changes everything and gets you into that mindset where you're just, you're ready to kill the day. Totally. And when you do that with your neurology, you're not just saying words. You're actually engaging your whole physiology, your whole neurology, and you're embodying what you're saying. And when you embody it, that's what tells your brain it's real. And your brain's never going to make you a liar. Yeah. But if you can, I can say, hey, I'm going to make a billion dollars tomorrow. I wouldn't recommend anyone use that kind of informa- uh, affirmation. I think those are <laughs> shit affirmations. But you want something that you're actually going to be able to buy into, right? Attainable, yeah. When, yeah, but when you say something um, – and you really speak it and embody it, like it, you literally take it on as a new belief in your physiology. And it comes across when you're talking to people like sales is a skill, but one thing that you can't teach is conviction. Mm, well, maybe, maybe you, could, you could teach it, but um, it's as important, I would say, as the skill of sales because anybody yeah. can learn the skill of sales. But to have that conviction behind what you're saying as well, like your customers will not buy from you until you're convicted about your product. Absolutely. Because they're already uncertain, especially if it's about Medicare. They don't know what the hell is going on most of the time. I've met like three people out of however many I've met with that actually have like a lot of information and education on Medicare. I'm like, holy crap. Like, you know what you're talking about, yeah. man. You should, yeah. you should sell Medicare. It's a new world. Um, <laughs> so you have to transfer that certainty and that conviction to them. Otherwise, they're not going to buy from you. Absolutely. You know, in, in the call center space, a lot of times, a lot of young people are going to be the ones who are coming into those types of positions. And a lot of times what I noticed is they don't really know what it sounds like to sound convicted because they're young. Mm. They really haven't had that many opportunities to be convicted about certain things. They've had a good life or maybe they've had a rough life, whatever the case may be. They really haven't had too many opportunities to be able to teach people and express these things. So when we teach them about Medicare and we teach them about why it's a necessity and why, you know, we want to point them in different directions and we want to teach it a certain way. They're just like, okay, well, we can follow your script and we can do this or that. But I'm like, you're missing the conviction. Like, I, I can't yeah. hear it. Like, it, to me, you sound robotic. So one of the tips that I would always tell them, I would say, well, let's, let's, let's reverse real quick and just think about, tell me something you are very passionate about in your life. It doesn't have to be work-related at all. One of the guys said, well, I'm super passionate about playing guitar. I love playing guitar. I love guitars in general. Like, 
guitars that sounded funny i love guitars in general <laughs> right so he's like i could stay in the, in the in the guitar shop all day long and look at all these different ones and play them hear the different sounds and strings i was like okay okay perfect i said that's a great example because we're going to break down something as technical as a guitar and all the different strings the different wood the different necks all that stuff right break it down for me like tell me about two of the best guitars that you love playing and then tell me why and and so I, and then what I did is I pulled out my phone and I recorded it, and so he probably he was, lit up. Yeah, he totally yeah. lit up. And so as he explained it, I had it recording so that I could play it back. And I'm like, listen how you sound, listen mm, how how that. excited you were when you were explaining how these guitars made you passionate, like what you were so excited about the different necks and the woods and the strings and the sounds it makes and this and that and you know, I, shit, I, I was learning stuff, right? So <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, but listen, this is exactly the type of conviction. This is the passion that we need to portray when we're talking about something as important as Medicare for people, because you don't understand how important this decision for them is. Like, this is why when we're talking to them, if we want to be their agent, we need to show them that we believe in this product as much as they should. That's how we win them. So Okay. Anyway, I wanted to bring that up because Dude, that's why are you trying way. to drop bombs right now? Man, <laughs> come on, come on, Eric. <laughs> but I, but but I think ultimately, you right? Need to, you need to. Sorry, you need to interview yourself on your own podcast. <laughs> just freaking drop them, man. Just drop them down. <laughs> oh my god, maybe one day I'll try that. That'll be funny. <laughs> I'll interview myself. But <laughs> what what I like about this though is again, you you can systemize, essentially, you can systemize the process of changing the belief structure you currently have. You've done it. It sounds like you've done it. You've been from a place of, uh, you know, feeling more depressed about your situation to becoming a beast. And you're only getting started. You've only been in here a year. You keep this kind of consistency up for the next five years, like you're going to be a beast, you know? And so, I mean, you already are, but you're going to be incredibly happy with your results. One thing I could say about that, um, do you know who John Astrap is? No. A lot of people in the insurance industry don't. He was on like the movie The Secret, if you've ever seen that. He built uh, Remax of Indiana years ago into a billion, $4 billion company in sales mm -hmm. every year. Um, he sold, took a bunch of companies, I think two of them uh, public, and sold them for millions and millions of dollars. A very successful guy. He's if you look up John Asraf, um, he has a Neurogym. It's a company for the brain reprogramming. He's a big brain guy, loves the mindset, talks about the law of attraction. More importantly, the law of Goya. Get off, get off your ass. I like that. That's that's a good <laughs> role to go go along with it. But I met with him. I paid him uh, a good amount of money. I'm not on the, the Josh Lustig level. <laughs> I, paid, I paid him 13 grand to uh, spend four hours at his house in San Diego. And I actually was texting him this morning, but. Um, one of the things he told me, because we recorded the whole thing and I'll listen to it from time to time, mm. is we wrote down a script of my life because he told me a story. He said, if someone tapped you on the shoulder, you're walking down the street, I said, Eric, you're, you know, nice to meet you, sir. Your name's Eric. Okay, great. I want to give you a script because I think you're going to be perfect for this role in this movie I want you to play. I'm going to pay you if you learn the script, you become the actor for it, you, you take on the role, you really learn the script, you really learn that role. I'm going to pay you $10 million. What would you do with that script? I would, I would practice be the, best. the hell out of it. Yeah, you'd I would be the best. It, right? you'd, how often would you rehearse it? Every freaking moment I could. Until yeah, it was exactly. time to execute every freaking moment I could. 
So he had me write out a script for my life because this man has taken multiple scripts in his whole life and written out what it looks like word for word. And it's become a reality. Your entire so, life. He made you write a script for your every, entire life from every now area. to the day you die. Well, not that's, that's not correct. Let me correct that. In every area for the next five, 10 years. Okay. Not my okay. whole life. Okay. Yeah. But still, but still level. every area of your life for the next five, yes. five to 10 years. Okay. And, and one of the things he told me is we wrote down all the beliefs I needed to have. Like, hey, if in order for you to achieve that, what would you have to believe about yourself in order to get that, to make a million dollars or 10 million or whatever it is? Oh, I'd have to believe I was good enough, smart enough that I could do it. And I'd all these things, I deserve it. And he goes, now, if you were to take a robot and plug the software, all of these beliefs into the robot, what do you think the robot would do in the world? I was like, holy shit, that robot would freaking crush it. He's like, get the beliefs and the programs into the robot and pointed at me. And I was like, dude, I love that. So the programming is such a big thing. And a belief is like a chair. You have the chair and then you have the leg to support it. So your brain's never going to make you a liar. You're always looking for things to reinforce your beliefs. So you need to constantly reinforce them consciously if you want them to be there. Um, And a lot of people I notice that are really high performers, a lot of them are very unconscious about the beliefs they have. And I'm more of a, a kind of a conscious person. I'm always looking at, okay, what do these people have in common? And one of the biggest things is, uh, you know, how Grant Cardone talks about commit now and figure the rest out later. Any of the top high achievers that I'm sure you've interviewed or anybody in the insurance industry, they have this belief that they say, I'm going to commit first. I'm going to figure out the answers later. And that's one of the biggest beliefs that I've noticed in the top people. Yeah, that's it. You got to just take action. Yeah, that's why you you hear certain... um certain f- famous sayings like fail forward, right? That's something yeah. you hear a lot in the sales industry or in business industries is fail forward so that even if you fail, you're still moving forward. So I love, I love that. I love the programming aspect. Um, it was something that Josh first actually started talking to me about was the programming. Cause I never thought of my thought Dude. processes in form of a program, but I mean, they're like supercomputers, right? Yeah. Organic He's an expert on that, man. He so, crushes it. I love, I love all of that stuff, man. I think this is, this is something where when people listen to our conversation, there's a lot to take away from it. There's a lot that they're yeah. going to be able to implement. It's not just about, I tell people all the time, it's not just about saying, hey, this is what I do. I spend 4000 a month on leads. I make X amount of calls, get X amount of sits, uh, end up making X amount of sales, cross sellers. Like, that's great. But the problem, as you mentioned at the very beginning, is the execution, People yeah. get these programs all the time. They get these, uh, you know, these, uh, the, these templates of what exactly they need to do, but the execution isn't there because the mindset isn't there. And I think Absolutely. that's why more of these conversations, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but this is kind of what I'm pushing forward is I'm trying to interview more people who are willing to have these conversations about how they change their mindset so that they can achieve success. So I appreciate you being on the show today and talking about this, Julian. Absolutely. Last thing I'll say is, um, and you know, I'm not perfect. I don't execute on everything. I, you know, I don't always do what I say I'm going to do. I, I work on it every day. I try to get better every day as, as much as I can. Uh, one thing I'll say, though, is I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard a lot of the things that we've talked about. But if you've already heard them, are you actually doing them? I would challenge you on that and start doing what you already knew and know what to do. One of the biggest ways to do that for me and what's helped for me is do something like a 30-day 60 or 90 day blitz, whatever habits that you know you need to be doing that are going to move the needle forward, it, whether, you know, 
if it's meditating, cold shower, whatever you think it is. I love cold showers personally. I don't think that's necessarily going to grow your business, maybe. I, I don't know. It, it, it totally could. You know, I think I don't think you need a complex morning routine where people are like, oh, I spend three hours reading, two hours meditating. I take a cold shower. Like, that's just – I think that's productive pra- uh, procrastination a lot of times with a lot of people. Ooh, people like okay. Cody Askins, though, they crush it. You know, they have their morning routine, and then they get to work. But um, my point is start doing it. And one of the best ways to do it is go on a 30-day blitz where you do it every single day, make it a habit, and I bet you I'll put money on it, $5. $5. Someone's going to say way more than that. <laughs> For 30 days, I bet you after 30 days, if that habit really moves the needle forward, your life will be different. And yeah. you'll be different. 100%. And, and you know, one of, the, one of the biggest things that I'll end with here is that a lot of people complain about they feel overwhelmed sometimes that there's so many pieces to the puzzle and in order for them to get moving, they feel they have to execute on a thousand different things at once. I always tell people, listen, the feeling of overwhelm is never going to go away. In fact, as you get bigger, that what's going to get bigger as well. At the end of the day, though, you're only able to do so much. So the best thing that you can do is just finish the next task. Finish one at a time. And then when you're done, move on to the next and move on to the next and move on to the next. And you'll realize that if you just focus on what's in front of you, you end up becoming a lot more productive because when you're done at the end of the day, you'll be like, oh, I got through a lot of stuff. Whereas a lot of times people just focus on the overwhelm so long. They'll spend hours just feeling overwhelmed and then just go watch TV or go smoke a cigarette and smoke another one and find ways to procrastinate. And at the end of the day, they haven't done much. That's why it's just important to focus on what's in front of you. Take one task at a time, take one step forward at a time, and you'll see that you'll end up walking a mile. Can I say one last thing on that? Absolutely. You finish. Go ahead. You're you're making me think. I'm sorry. No, I want you to finish. I just, I keep thinking of things every time we talk. Um, I learned this from one of Grant Cardone's top salespeople, Steve Spray. He talks about finish out the cycle that you're in. If you're, if you just got a phone call from a client and they have a question, call them. Finish the cycle. If you're working on something right now and someone asks you a question and pulls you away, say, hold on one second. Let me finish this cycle. Get in the habit of finishing your cycles. If you open half of your mail and didn't open it and read the rest of it because someone else called you or something and you got distracted, finish the cycle. Open the rest of the mail. As small as you think that would be, you getting in the habit of finishing out each cycle while you're there will translate to the execution piece. And that will build momentum and the momentum will carry out and make it you know, make your business explode. There's things that I love about talking to other successful agents and that's that I can pick up the names of things that I already execute, right? So I like, I love that. Finish the cycle. I love what that's called because I love doing that myself where if I have messages that I still got to attend to, I want to finish that out. If there's uh, small issues that I got to go and fix, I want to finish it out. I don't want my day to end with a bunch of things looming for the next day because then it's yeah. only going to pile uh, on to what tomorrow is. So I like that. Finish the cycle. That's solid. It well, takes space in your brain too. Sorry. It I does. No, no, it does. It does. Well, and, I, and I'm sure we could stay on here for another Dude, hour be- and a half, <laughs> yeah. two hours, you know, because there's so much to unpack here. Right. But unfortunately I know that, uh, you know, time, time is of the essence. So I do appreciate you being on today, man. It, it's been a blessing to have you on here talking about your strengths and your weaknesses and, and really talking about how you, have gotten into that position that you're in now where you're shining, man, you are, you're shining. And I can't wait to see five years from now where you're at because you have the right mentality and you have the discipline and that's going to get you so far. So 
thanks again for being on. Thanks, and brother. Appreciate you. Everybody else, you always know I'll be back. So until next video, thanks for watching. See you soon. Hey, thanks for watching the podcast. If you like the content, please hit the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That way you can get notified when more new content comes out. We'll see you on the next one.